Oh man, come on. Launchpad week four. Good morning, everybody. If, uh, if you don't know me, my name's Dean. It's great to have you here, and it is a, a great week to be here. We're coming to the, the fourth week, our last week of the series, because this is this kind of stepping onto the launch pad moment. I mean, have you ever imagined what it must be like for an, for an astronaut, you know, sitting into that, into the cockpit, getting ready to go, buckling up, getting ready, you know, the engine's starting to burn, and, and what that must feel like knowing, like, oh, what's ahead? You know, I can't imagine what that moment is, is like for an astronaut, but we're in a moment like that as a church, as we are about to launch into a, a kind of a, a whole new uh, future on mission with God in two locations here and up in Marowa. In fact, in fact, if you don't know this, uh, after today, uh, well, and you probably don't know this because as far as I know, no one's told you this, but uh, <laughs> we're only just kind of getting some of these things in line. But after this Sunday, uh, we will have seven Sundays left as one church in one location. That's it. Seven Sundays and we will be rocking and rolling in two locations here in Mullen Up Mayor. Is that exciting to anybody? Yeah. And if it's not, I hope today uh, that you'll get a snapshot of why that is. Because there is nothing more exciting than being on mission with God in this world and what he's doing. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, because this, uh, I'm calling today, this this time today, this is, we're going to be talking about what it's like in the moment, you know, before liftoff. What is that kind of moment before the moment? We've been looking forward to this as a church for a long time. We've known God is, has called us to this for a long time. And now we're in the moment right now, this next seven weeks, is, is where we are preparing for that launch moment. And we'll be talking a little bit more about what that looks like today. But that's, this, is, this is the reality where we're at. And so we're going to dive in today into what, uh, what kind of, I think, God, God desires in this kind of the moment before the moment. And the moment before liftoff. Uh, and we're going to look at a story in the scriptures uh, of a time when the people of God found themselves in very much the same kind of moment before the launch moment. We're going to look at a story that comes from the, the Old Testament. It's a very well-known story if you've been around church for a long time. And we're going to look at this story of where uh, the people of God were about to go into uh, the land God had promised them. God originally promised this land to Abraham and it said, you and your descendants are going to go there. And, and over uh, hundreds of years, generations had come, the people of God had become uh, slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Now Moses had led them out of slavery. They'd, they'd walked through the parting of the Red Sea. They'd seen the, the power and presence of God at, on, on the mountain at Mount Sinai. They've been through all these things, and now they were about to go into that land. They were leaving Sinai. They were about to go into that land, and we're going to look at what this kind of moment before the moment looked like for them and what it looks like a bit for ourselves this morning. In uh, Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to pick this story up. So the Lord said to Moses, Here's what we're going to do. This is the moment before the moment we're about to go in. He said, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. This is the land I'm going to give them. He says, from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders to go to explore the land. Verse 3. All right, and so, uh, so God says to Moses, going back for a moment. So God says to Moses, here's the thing. They're about to go in his land, but the first thing God says to them is, look, before you go in, 
I want you to send some people to explore the land, to go look at it, to get a great look at, at where I'm sending you. And so Moses calls together one from each of the tribes. He calls together these 12 people, and they're going to be the people we're going to go in. And, and Moses then passes on the instructions, and he says this in 17, uh, moving ahead. So then Moses sent them to explore Canaan. When he sent them, he said, I want you to go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. I want you to see what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? And do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. You see, what he's doing is he's encouraging them to go explore. And Moses is like, I want, I want you to see this place where God is taking, taking us. I want you to go have a look at it. I want you to tell us, what's it like? Is it good? Is it bad? And what are we up against as well? Are the people strong? Are they weak? What are the, the towns? What are the cities like? What's the, this is, you know what? God sends them to explore what he's about to do, to give them a glimpse of the future. You know what I think is amazing when you read that? I remember I was reading those verses and just thinking, why does God send them to explore the land? I mean, God knows what's in the land. He knows the answers to all these questions. He knows what the soil's like. He knows what the fruit's like. He knows what the cities, the people. He knows what it's all like. So why does he say, Moses, send some people to explore? Why wasn't it enough for God just to say, Moses, go. It's good. Take my word for it. It's good land. You'll be all right. You know, the people are strong there, they're powerful, but don't worry, I'll be with you. Why does, why does God, why does he send these people to explore? And you know what I think so much of it is, is because God, when he wants to do something great, he always wants to invite people to be part of it. He wants them to actually get a glimpse of the future that he has for them. It's like God is like, I want you to explore. I want you to see what I'm calling you to. I want you to see how good it is. I want you to see the challenges. That I just want to give you a glimpse of the future. Because God always wants to, he, he's interested in more than, than just what, uh, what he's going to do through us. There's things he wants to do in us. And he's inviting the people to have a glimpse of the future. Can I tell you something? What I think in this moment, before the moment, before we launch into something of a new future as a church, I think what God wants to do today is give us a, a little glimpse of the future he has for us. In fact, we're going to spend a lot of this morning just looking at glimpses of the future. Because as we prepare to launch, I would not want anyone to, to not have a sense of what God has actually called us to. I wouldn't want you to miss what he's inviting us into. Because I wouldn't want anyone to just think, we're just starting a couple new services in a new location. We're just going to kind of keep doing what we've been doing, but a little bit, I don't know, more. God is inviting us, calling us to go on mission with him. And I think this morning, I want us to get a glimpse of the future. You know, as I mentioned, in just about uh, seven weeks, we'll be officially in two locations. 
I want to give you a little glimpse of how things are, are looking up in Marawa. We've got a, a shot. Here's a, it's a glimpse. It's a glimpse of the future. Now, when you look at this, uh, one of the things you see, the construction's only a few weeks from being done. You're seeing uh, some of the buildings. But can I tell you something? You know, you're seeing on the left side here, on my left, what's that? That's, you know, even when I turn this way, I can't figure it out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> on this side, over there, you can tell. You're seeing the, the fully operational child care early learning center that we're going to be opening in January next year. In fact, would you like to know what its name is? Yeah. Through all work. You are looking right there at Compass Early Learning Center. Oh, man. That was. And then what you're looking at is a place that's going to connect with children, to families, and going to help set them on a direction through life. How incredible is that, hey? What you're seeing on the right, you know, this multi-purpose events center. This place is going to be used by uh, different community groups, user groups all throughout the week, uh, different programs we can run from, from those who are young to those who are in their senior years of life. You're looking at a, a center that can be used in all kinds of ways. There's going to be a, you know, a cafe in there. There's gonna be, this is going to be a space that is going to be so widely used for such a wide variety of purposes that will connect with the people of that community and that region. Right in the center, you're seeing this, you know, piazza that's beginning to take shape. A community gathering space right in the heart of it. Can I tell you something, though? As we look at this, and it's a, it's a beautiful picture, and it's an incredible, but can I tell you something as well? What I hope you see, what I hope you actually see, this is what we see there. These are these buildings. This is what it looks like. But can I tell you what I see when I look at that? And I hope you see it, too, is you see people. When I look at that picture, I don't see buildings. I see that place covered with people. People who would have never connected with God before. But because his people set out boldly to create a space that would welcome them in, they're encountering God in the church. Those are not the church. They're encountering God in the community of God's people, the spiritual temple that he is building out of us. And in that place is the presence of God in this community of us as his followers. And the people who come into these places, they encounter the living God. I hope you glimpse it. I see it for generations to come, for decades. I see people grateful that there was a group of believers who said, we are going to establish a work for the Lord in this place. It's a glimpse. It's just a glimpse. And I think, God, we probably have no idea exactly what's ahead. But it's a glimpse. You know, over the next few weeks, there will be all kinds of things uh, happening up there. You know, to bring this into some practical terms, here's a glimpse of just how kind of uh, close this is. You know, the next couple weeks of September, construction will be finishing. October is a little something we're calling Blocktober. <laughs> Who's up for Blocktober? And that is because October, we'll be getting handover at the beginning of October. And that means we've got a month in October. We're going to be landscaping that. We're going to be, uh, we're doing all the landscaping ourselves. We're going to have the opportunity to be getting in there, fitting it out, landscaping. Saturdays in October, every Saturday, we're going to be having block landscaping parties. This is going to be just that opportunity to get in there and be a part of what God's doing and developing, preparing it. In November, it's going to be a launch party 
There's only one way to launch something. And that's with the launch party. And so one of the things we want to do is the first time we, we gather in there for a, a, a celebration service, we actually want to do it on a Friday night, uh, November 11th, because we want our entire church, though some people will actually physically uh, attend at that campus, if you will. Uh, we know this is a project that is about our entire church together working to do this for the Lord. And we want to have just a night where we all come together, Friday, November 11th, and we just celebrate praise and worship uh, and give thanks for all God has done. And so that's, and that means our first Sunday service up there will be November 13th. We'll have a couple weeks to kind of uh, get used to things, if you will, and then have a grand opening at the end of November on the 27th of November. So this is the countdown to launching up there. Sound good? Yeah. Pretty exciting. It's hard to, to believe it's here. Seven Sundays still together. Now, one of the things we have been talking about, though, again, so these are some of those practicalities, but here, it is all about joining God on mission on what he is doing in that space. And one of the things we've talked about in this launch season, this isn't just about launching, hey, here's a new you know, facility and development we're doing. We're talking about how do we join God on mission as his people, full stop. One of the things that we've thought about with that is right here in Molu, what does it look like to relaunch? To think about, you know what, we don't just go back to here's what we've always done or here's how things look. But we've been wrestling, if you've been here the last few months, with this idea of, you know, if God were to just drop a few hundred of us right here in Molu, this block of land, this location, 2016, and we were starting from scratch launching, what might he call us to do? And we spent some time a, a couple months back even. We gathered. We had about 100 or more kind of show up as we looked together. You know, where has God placed us? What are the needs around us? How can we best meet those to start to think about a long-term uh, vision for what we're doing right here in Mullaloo? And I, I want to just give you a little snapshot before we get into a glimpse of, of that future. Here's what uh, I want to give you a snapshot of what came out of some of our vision nights, the work we've been doing, what we've been looking at and seeing. And then I want you to see a little bit of how we think this might play out over the long haul here. The thing that we found that was probably most kind of incredible, when you actually step back and begin to look at where God has placed us, right here, Molalu, the center of the city of Junlip on the coastal side, where God has placed us is right in the center of a large, of an affluent, and of a family-based community. And here's why I can, and if you don't believe me, these places in the middle of a large, affluent, family-based community. Let me just hit you with a couple quick numbers that summarize probably best where God's placed us here. 167,000 people in the city of Joondalup. All of them live, 18, all of them live within an 18-minute maximum drive time from where we are here in Mullaloo. You know, anybody research a search will say, you know, usually your, your, your reach, your community is probably a 20-minute radius around where you are. The entirety of that 167,000 people, if you go to the furthest, farthest corner of, of the city of Joondalup, where Warwick Road meets Wanneroo Road on the farthest edge of the earth, if you go <laughs> all the way there, maybe all the way north as far as Kinross, if you go as far as you can, you know, 18 minutes, we are connected to. God has given us an opportunity to connect with the entirety of the city of Junlup from where we sit right here. The median age in the city of Junlup is 38. Now, if you look at me, I'm, you may not know this, I'm actually 38 years old. I was going to say, so if you look at me, you can see what a 38-year-old looks like, but the problem is I'm 24, so um, <laughs> you just have to imagine. But the median age, 38 years old in the city of Junlup. 
in a ranking of all the, you know, 50 plus local government areas of Western Australia, Joondalup, the city of Joondalup ranks as the seventh least disadvantaged. In other words, they rank the most disadvantaged. We're on the opposite end of that spectrum, the seventh least disadvantaged. I believe just behind uh, might be the city of Subiaco. We live in a very affluent, privileged area. Sometimes when you swim in water, it becomes hard to see that water. 77% of homes in the city of Joondalup are either couples or have children in them. It's a very family-based area. Uh, I believe it's about 41% are couples with kids in the city of Joondalup. Another 9% are single-parent homes. And then the other 27% are couples. And this is a very family-based area we find ourselves in. Now, why that's helpful, all this, because when we think about how are we connecting with these people? How are we connecting with the people God's put on our doorstep? Do you know, one of the things you realize is that the needs around us are less physical and more emotional, relational. These are the kinds of needs that people around us have. The pressures and needs that come with families in areas like this and, mo and two working parents and people who are trying to keep up with all that comes in this kind of region. The needs for counseling and for wellness of all kinds. The need for community connection and spaces. If you're ever in here on a Tuesday when our Super Tuesday group is gathering, it is literally bursting at the seams with seniors. People in desiring and needing connection, relationships. Now, these are some of the needs. So we've begun to think about how, if God dropped us, 2016, right here, this area, this is what's going on. How can we steward this patch of grass, this patch of dirt, this little bit of earth he's given to us to use for his glory, for his kingdom in this space? Now, there's lots of different pieces to this. I want to share a couple that we think these would be newer things that, that we've looked at. And as you know, we also have begun master planning with the same group who helped us uh, create what we are up in Marowa. And two of the things is we began to look at the location here that we saw uh, that we could do. One is, what would it, I want you to actually, can you give me the, the picture of the park and the space? One of the things you realize when you look as well where we're at, this is our location, the little white area, that's us. The big green area, that's the park that's just outside of us, Sharonia Park. Across that park is a primary school. And on the other side of us down here in this corner down here is the whole retail area. One of the things we realize is here we are. We are stuck right in the kind of heart of a community. But in so many ways, our facilities and the way our block is designed, the way what we have here, it does not naturally connect us to our community. And we have people who walk. In fact, you'll see, you know, uh, if you're here during the week, people will be walking right across our footpaths, you know, right outside the front along Scafella. I often pass people, and I feel like they're sometimes almost like apologetic. I don't know if I should be walking here, you know? Because it's kind of like I'm on the church, and there's this thing, and I'm walking through. But what would it look like to see this church and this facility actually leading the way and connecting our community to one another? Connecting the parks and the primary schools and the retail district. All these isolated kind of silos right around us. What if we could be part of connecting people together? And so we've begun to look at how could we take this block of land and create thoroughfares. And almost like these different rivers of where people can connect into what's happening here. And then designing the facilities to be even more useful to the people around us. In fact, one of the things we've looked at is what if we could design, we've got a, a photo here, just some glimpses of, of a, a, a kind of an outdoor children's discovery area. 
a, a play area. You know, what would it look like if, if, you know, we've got a park right there. This is a kid's zone and a kid's area. If we actually had not just an average kind of here's a little playground, but actually we created something that drew children and families where kids would have somewhere to play and, and unique nature exploration discovery kind of space. And what if we put this not buried behind somewhere, but right out in front on Scafella Avenue, where people actually connect right in, and you can do that so easily right along the park that's already here. Another thing we've looked at and found is that, you know, if you don't know us, we have a fair bit of undeveloped land that is part of our block out behind us, and we've actually got room and space to develop an event center, true multi-purpose space. True multi-purpose space that can be used from young to old. Not the same design as what we're doing in Merrill, but that same concept that can be utilized day in, day out. In fact, when you put all this together, here is a, 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 the initial sketches of what this might look like uh, on our block. If you can believe it, that is our block of land. That's our patch of grass that God's given to us that we're on right now. And what you see to orient, here's Scafella Avenue out here, and you'll see that discovery zone. If we could integrate it with trees and sand and elements and play areas where now we're pushing the life, instead of being hidden back behind walls, we're actually stepping out towards our community. You'll see down the front next to that, uh, our cafe expanding. And what if we developed it into a fully co operating commercial cafe with a giant, with a veranda and space that, that again, welcomes the community to our front doorstep. And what you'll see as well is when we put that, the, there's room for an event center in the back and creating an actual piazza courtyard space that again becomes something of almost a thoroughfare where people can connect going across from retail to park. All these, this is a, a, this is a sketch. This is the first draft. But can I tell you what it represents? It represents how could we go from being a group of people off to the side doing their own thing to being at the very heart of what's happening in our community. Lowering bridge law. How's that sound, anybody? Does that look good? I hope it does. Uh, I hope you understand why we do these things. Because here's the thing I know. Here's the thing I know. These are glimpses. They are only glimpses. And, and it's not like, if you, you know, oh, so when are we doing this? This is the beginning of a process of trying to glimpse the future. You know, there's no kind of timeline or timetable, but we are looking and saying, how do we steward well what God has given us? These are glimpses. Now, whenever we get glimpses of the future, there are different ways that different people will react. Different ways people will feel. Probably different ways people around this room feel just looking at those things. I want you to see what happens when, when the explorers come back in, in numbers Back in that day, they come back and they give an account of what they saw. And in verse 27, they give this account. He says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. If you don't know, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. I was thinking this week, like, if you have a land flowing with milk and honey, but no wheat bix, is it still a good thing? <laughs> but it is. It is. You know, because let's be honest. What's milk and honey without wheat mix? But it's talking about how it's good for agriculture. It's good for growing. It's, good. it's, it's a good land. Here is its fruit. But, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. They come back and they give this report. And they're like, it's good. 
There's only one problem. The people who live there are powerful and they're fortified. Their cities are very large. In fact, they go on talking about this and, and they begin to just talk about how, how large they are and, uh, and just how, you know, we, we can't go, we can't kind of, we can't step to this. We see this as a good land, but there's something between us. But Caleb, all, all the people are, are beginning to be disappointed and disillusioned and thinking, oh man, it's so good, but the people are so large and the obstacles are so large. But Caleb, one of the 12, one of these 12, it says in verse 30, he silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. It says, but the people have gone up with him. Verse 31, they said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. And they said, the land, it just devours those living. All the people we saw there are of great size. Here's the thing. Whenever we get a glimpse of the future, the vision God puts in front of us is true in your life, it's true in my life, and it is definitely true of our lives as the people of God. Whenever God gives us a glimpse, there is always one of two reactions that will take place. That we will have to choose whether we are going to focus on the problems and the challenges and the obstacles, or whether we're going to focus on the promise on what God has actually called to us, on the potential it holds, on the possibilities that are there. And depending where our focus goes, will entirely determine what happens next. See, I love what Caleb says. He says, we should go up, for we certainly can. When you are looking at vision in the future, and, and I don't say all this, you know, that we can focus on the promise or the problems. There are really, if you want to figure out your focus on this, there's two key questions. Caleb answers them both. And the key questions when you get a vision from God is this, should we do this and can we do this? Should we do this? Caleb says we should and we can. You see, what everybody agreed on in the report was we should do this. It's a, it's a good vision. The land is good. It flows with milk and honey. Look at the grapes. It's good. We should. It's a good vision that we've glimpsed God's future for us. When we even start to look at the future in front of us, one of the things I know is that it is an important question to ask, should we? I know there are probably people in this room, and, and you may see uh, some of the, the pictures, and it, it's like, I mean, we're doing this giant project up in Marowa, and now we're thinking about, you know, something, a development like that here. Like, should we really do this? Should we? And that is a critically important question to ask. We have to. We have to ask that. All the explorers asked it. Caleb asked it. Joshua asked it. Should we? When we think about should we, should we at Meriwah, should we here, should we be pursuing this? You know what, what number often sticks to me? 92%. 92% of Australians have no regular connection to a church. No regular connection to a church. Only 8% have a connection, a regular connection, which is defined as once a month being at church. And most people tend to over-report their connection. This is across the board. 92% of people have no connection, vital and living, to the God who made them, loves them, and has a purpose and meaning for their lives. You know, that means in the city of Junlup, 167,000 people 
let, let's just round it up to 10%, let's say, and, and are, are really connected to God. That means at best, out of that 167,000 people, you know, 116,000 of them. If we were to be the people of God on mission with God, what should we be devoting ourselves to do? What, what are we doing with the resources if we are not looking and actively pursuing to connect with people who have never connected to God? And what, are, what should we be doing? You know, I love, and, and I know as well, and you might go, well, you know, these, these kinds of development, but really, is this, is this really, can I tell, you know, one of the things I, I love, when you think about doing the kind of developments we're doing up in Marowa and the kind of developments we're talking about down here in Moalu, uh, there's three things that these things do that are, I believe, huge for us to say, you know why we should be doing this? Uh, a guy named Ed Setz who researches churches, everybody says, you know what, this is what projects like this can do. You know why we should be doing this? One, they, we get to actually, when we do things like this, we participate in the cultural mandate. In Genesis, when God first created this world, put man in the garden, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over the whole earth. And there's this sense, it's often called the cultural mandate in Genesis, that we are to be people who cultivate this incredible good world God put us in. And we do things like this. We are a part of actually taking the little bits of dirt and land that God has entrusted to us and saying, we are going to cultivate them. We are going to make them not just, hey, here's something we can gather in on Sundays. We're going to make them like little slices of heaven on earth where people encounter the living God. Not only do we get to do that, but these kinds of things, they bless the city we find ourselves in. When God called Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to the nations. And throughout the scriptures, you see the call of God's people is to bless the city you find yourself in. Be that city on the hill. Be that light of the world. Jeremiah, they find themselves in his day in the, the Babylonian captivity. And what's God say? Seek the peace and prosperity. And see, wherever you find yourself, bless the place that you are. And when we develop, when we don't just say, well, what would be adequate for a bunch of people to gather in on a Sunday? That's all we, no, when we say, we exist to bless the cities we find ourselves in. Should we be doing this? Absolutely. And, incredi and the incredible thing about projects like this, that are not just, hey, we want to build another temple, a place where we can gather for us, but no, when we actually create places that, that are to, to bless the city, that are to draw people, we build bridges to those who are far from God. Do you know, uh, the most recent research says, you know, for people who've never been to church, who go to church for the first time in Australia, the number one reason people do end up coming, and we know this is a small percentage of people in the world, but the number one reason people do come is because they feel there's something missing in their life. Something is missing in their life. Now, here's what I can tell you. Most people get to a point in life where they feel there's something missing in their life. But the reason that 92% of people never connect with the church is because no one believes that the church is the answer to what's missing in their life. The, the, the number one reason people say they don't go to church is it's irrelevant. People would never even think when something's missing in their life to come to church. What would happen if we built places? You know where people do go? They go to coffee shops. They take their children to be cared for. They, they go to places where they can connect with other seniors. What if we were building those bridges, those wells that bring people together? And they could actually encounter the living God and find out there is meaning, there is purpose, there is a creator, there is a savior. We get to be a part 
of going to people, of actually saying, you know, this is not some holy huddle and we just build walls and do our thing, but we are at the very center of our communities. Imagine land developers saying, man, we will give you the land because what we know is that when the church comes to town, this is good for everyone. You know, should we? Should we be doing these things? How can we not? How can we not as God's people in the 21st century be doing these things? And I know as well, the second question will always come, but these things are expensive. I get that we should, but it's expensive. Like, should we really invest this much resources? I mean, up in Marowa, to develop that block of land, the Ford works for a million dollars by themselves. Construction, you know, 6255. And we're going to finish right around there. We're, we're right near the end. But we're talking about a $7.5 million project. Should we do that? And now, Dean, we're going to talk about another one? Are you crazy? Possibly. <laughs> should we do this? But do you know what the reality is? We live in a city where the median house price is $500,000. Might hover a little below, a little above, 500 grand. You know how many people live in the average house for $500,000 in this city? 2.6. You probably don't know that because none of us have yet met that 0.6 of a person. <laughs> but you know what that means? It means roughly speaking, you know, what we've developed up there, which is a four-acre block of land from scratch, no sewer, no power, no nothing, uh, from get-go, and all full of capstone. What that means is that whole cost is the equivalent of building a house, by our standards, for 45 people at best. And that facility, it's got a capacity. It's going to connect conservatively, easily, between the childcare, between the event center, between the fact that a church is going to gather the other way, it will conservatively easily connect with a couple thousand people a week. And when you multiply that, imagine over the first decade how many lives will be touched. And imagine over the decades to come how many lives will be touched. And when you think about all that for the cost of what we would normally say, this is a house for 45 people, should we be doing these things? It's a fraction of what we spend on houses. And we have the opportunity to be a part of God, as the people of God, to be a part of the cultural mandate, to bless the cities we live in, and to build bridges with those who don't know Jesus. Should we do this? Absolutely. We should be doing these things. They all agreed that they should. The question, though, the difference was can we? Twelve people went and explored Two come back, Joshua and Caleb. And I love, you know, the, the ten who are like, we can't do it. They talk all about the people are so big. It devours the people who live there. They seem like giants. We were like grasshoppers. The ten of them, they talk, they talk, they talk. And you know what Caleb just says? He just says those words. We should, for we certainly can. And Caleb and Joshua, they were these two people who just said, we can and you know why we can? What, what did Joshua and Caleb understand that the others didn't? Was it Joshua and Caleb were really naive that Joshua and Caleb just thought, no, we can't. Yeah, we could do this. They're not really that big. It won't be. No, what Joshua and Caleb understood was that we can because he is able. That's what they got. When they speak up later, all the people get uh, grumbling and they're all saying this bad report and they're all, they're all, it actually says they're all like yelling and weeping and moaning at the report and they wanted to stone their leaders. That's not biblical. Don't do that. But 
This moment comes, and in the midst of all the uproar, here's what Caleb says. Here's what Joshua and Caleb, when they speak up one more time, here's what they say. Fourteen. It says, the land we pass through and explored, it's exceedingly good. This is a good future. It's a good vision. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And he will give it to us. Only don't do this. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't step away from what he wants for us. Let's be obedient. And don't, he says, don't be afraid of the people of the land. Don't fear. Because we'll devour them. Their protection is gone. But, and this is the key, the Lord is with us. They could say, we can because the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Don't, don't think we can't because that looks so big. The Lord is with us. Can I tell you something? As we start to glimpse the future, we can, not because we're able, but because he can. We can, and, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing about glimpses of the future. Here's what I believe. Why did God... Send them in to explore. Why did God not just tell them, trust me on it, it's good. Trust me on it, I'll be with you. Why does he send them in to explore to see how big and challenging the whole thing is? Because God, it's like sometimes God just wants to show us how big the obstacles are so he can show us how much bigger he is. And he sends them in and he gives them a glimpse and he's like, and they come back. And you know what God's frustration, if you see God later, and he's so frustrated with the people. And what he says is, you know, why do they not, how long will it take till they will believe in me? Till they will trust me? After all the signs, they've seen the, the sea part. They've seen all these signs and wonders, the plagues. Why do they not yet believe I can do this? See, for God, I think God looks at, I mean, even, you know, let's just, you know, whether it comes to the, the challenge of reaching people or the challenge of, or of all the, the costs are so high. The, God's problem is never the giants. It's never the obstacles. It's never that God's like, gee, I wonder if I could, if we'd be able to have enough finances. God's great challenge and what you see in this passage, God's great challenge is finding people who will actually believe in his power. Twelve of them go in and only two of them say, we're ready to sign up. We believe that he can. See, the incredible thing is we glimpse the future. As we have a glimpse of what's ahead of us. Do you know what I think is just so, so reassuring to me, so simplifying, so focusing, is that you know what will, what will actually determine the way we step toward this future is very simply will we rise up to be the people of God. The only thing that limited God in this moment, because as we know, because 10 of the 12 said, no, we can't, and everybody said, no, we can't. Yes, it's good, but no, we can't. They, the whole generation had to pass away, and only Caleb and Joshua out of that whole generation would go into that land. Because what God, could God have done it 40 years earlier just as easily? Absolutely. The only thing is God wants people to trust him and be a part of what he's doing. He invites us to get on board, to say, God, we want to be on mission with you. He invites us to be Joshua's and Caleb's who just say, yes, we should. And Lord, because you are able, yes, we can. 
and we're signing up. Here's the names. Why don't you see the names? Here's the 12 who went in as explorers. Shemua, Shaphat, Caleb, Egal, Joshua, Palti, Gadiel, Gaddy, who is also known as the Matt Gaddy, Amiel, <laughs> Sether, Nabi, I don't even know. <laughs> Let's go with Guel. You know what I find so amazing about this? There's a reason we have kids named Joshua and Caleb. The thing God is looking for people who will just say, God, you've given us a glimpse of the future. This is good. This is going to glorify you. It's going to honor you. That 92% that you want to call to yourself, this is going to be part of the monumental. It'll be a tiny part, but man, it'll be part of trying to reach that 92%. We should. And if we are Joshua's and Caleb's, we say, and we can. And you know what separated Caleb? You know what said of Caleb? The, the one thing that defined his life that he is remembered for is that God, when he speaks of Caleb, he says, Caleb, I have no one like him because he follows me with a whole heart. He was known as someone who followed God with a whole heart. When we talk about being a wholehearted follower of Christ, we get that from the description of who Caleb was. He held nothing back. He said, God, you got the best of who I am. You know, today, and as we get ready to launch, it's a glimpse of the future. It's about way more than a project in Meroe. It's about way more than a project. It's about how do we become the people of God in this world? How do we become the people of God? And all it takes is for us to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I want to follow you with a whole heart. You know, today we have these cards, and one of the things I love about this card, it's just a simple way. You know, we're not, this is a simple way of writing your name down and saying, I want to be a Caleb. I want to be a Joshua. Don't write Caleb on there because we won't know what campus you want to be part of, but <laughs> write your name. Because what I can tell you is this, when we write our name down and say, yes, Lord, I'll bring the best of who I am, my time, my talents, my treasure, Lord, with a whole heart, I'm just going to bring the best of who I am. It's all I've got to offer. But when we do that, we write our names into the story of God. We become a part of the history he is writing. We get to, Caleb and Joshua got to go through the Jordan on dry land. They got to watch the walls of a city come crumbling down by walking around it with nothing but trumpets. They got to be a part of seeing God do the miraculous. And what I want to tell you is we get ready to launch. None of us knows exactly what's ahead. But if we will be people who will simply say, God, I want to follow you with the whole heart. I, I want to be on mission with you in this world. I want to, we should, and we can. God, here I am. I'm signing up. I'm going to invite the team to come up. And in a moment, what we're going to do, we're going to take communion together. And communion, this moment that reminds us it's all about Jesus. It's all from Jesus. It's all because of him. 
And as we do that, if, if you know, you know, I just want to respond and you're ready to just write your name down and say, yes, I'm bringing the best of who I am. And this is where I want to be on board, on mission. You can bring that and just drop it in the bowl. You know, these things, it's, it's helpful at a practical level so we know where people are going to be. So we can say, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how you can be part. You know, there's things in there to help you think about what it's going to mean to invest your, your time, your talents, your treasure. But at the end of the day, that, that's all this is about is really a tool for you to just say, yes, Lord. I'm signing up. I want to be a Joshua. I want to be a Caleb. And I'm convinced that as we just simply say, yes, Lord, we're going to be a part of seeing some incredible moments of what God has in store for us. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to take communion together. You can bring the card if that's a way you want to respond today. Would you stand with me?